Good to see you. We had a wonderful day, Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, with the baby dedications and everything. It was a very exciting day, a wonderful day, and I thank the Lord for it. Uh, you can uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and just hold your, your spot right there, working of the Lord. He, what he did for, for sinners, even when he died, he died once for all. And so there's not a repetition of that, of the Lord Jesus Christ having to be crucified over and over. He said on the cross, it's finished, amen? He, he accomplished what he came to do. But he does talk about a disciple or a follower. If any man is going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and a follower of the Lord, then he says that we are to take up our cross and follow him. And so the, the whole message of the cross that we're talking about now is that cross, the discipleship cross, the cross where, where it calls for daily dying. And by that, I simply mean every time we have an opportunity to, and we have many, we have many every single day of our lives as Christians, as born-again believers, we have an opportunity to do my will or do God's will, if those two be contrary. Every time we yield to the Lord, then, then that is a, in a sense of dying to ourself. That is a good thing, by the way, because the more we die to ourselves, the more we're going to experience in reality the resurrected life of our Lord and Savior through our lives. This is not how you get born again. We're saved by grace through faith. And in, in the historical cross, what Jesus did once and for all when he died and then rose again, that precious blood, it says in 1 Peter, we were redeemed not by silver or gold, but by the, by the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen? Redeemed, past tense. But there's more to Christianity, much more. And I, actually, I'm very thankful. There's much more to Christianity and a relationship with the Lord than simply uh, being born again. And then we'll see God when we get to heaven. That's not the life that he's called us to. He's laid it out here in the scriptures. He, he, we grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He reveals himself to us. He strengthens us. He's with us daily to carry us through this uh, hard life. This life can be hard and difficult. And I'm very thankful that that's, that's what we're talking about, being a disciple. A disciple is a learner. So I'm learning the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I, I love that, that scripture. We refer to it often. Jesus said... Uh, all you that are labor and heavy laden, he says, come unto me, right? Take my yoke and learn of me. Learn of me. Don't just learn uh, church history and, and nothing wrong with any of those things or how the church functions and operates. Learn of me. If there's any object of study, you know, there's, there's not a better object of study than learning the Lord Jesus Christ. And he invites us to do that. He calls us to do that. And so that's what we're talking about. And in that learning, his life willingly led him to the cross. And then all the glory afterwards, right? Where he is seated at the right hand of the Father even now. It's a similar pattern for the believer. We come to Christ, whatever age we are, whatever walk of life, we're a sinner, we need Jesus, we come to him and we're born again. And then he leads us and that life will be a life of, of learning Christ and, and dying more that we could experience more of his life, his resurrected life in us. And so 
We have to be brought to an end of ourselves. You ever hear that phrase? I say it. Uh, I read it. I've, I've, been, I've heard it in sermons. We need to be brought to an end of ourselves. If you're praying for a lost loved one that is just in themselves, they don't know any other life. They're, they could, but they don't. They need to be brought to an end of themselves. They need to be brought to a place where they see they're not all that. They don't have it all under control. There is a God in whose hand their life is. It's kind of like Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in, in the book of Daniel that he didn't even realize that he, he thought he was everything. This is my empire, my kingdom that I've made. All these people serve me and the trees, the, the horses in the, in the stall, everything is here for me. And I did this all. He says, I created it all. And he, he didn't even realize that the God, he was sitting in the hands of God who could squash him like a bug if he wanted to. And we need to be brought to an end of ourselves. Well, Christians, we need to be brought to increasingly to an end of ourselves in the sense of that dying to ourselves. Amen? That's the only path to where we really can experience more of the Lord. And it is something that we learn. Amen? And it's something that we are to gladly do. I think that's one of the things I've really been trying to to stress and and stress it to myself. It is not somebody getting you and forcing your like shoving you down in the mud and humbling you. It is a willing submission. That prodigal son, when he was in the pig pen, he was already low. He was in a pig pen feeding on eating on the pig's food. And he came to himself and he willingly went home. He made his choice. I'm gonna go back home to my father. And I'm going to make things right. I'm going to repent. We need to gladly yield to the Lord. There has to be faith to believe that He's a good God. And if I'm yielding to Him, He's not going to wreck my life and make it a, a, a misery. He is going to work in my life to make me more like His Son. Mm -hmm. That's really what He's doing. It's not a big mystery. But I need to gladly yield to the Lord. You know, you could yield like Jonah. Who had to be swallowed by a whale and spend three days and nights in the belly of the whale, crying out to God, uh, and be vomited up on a beach and then, then like grudgingly go do what he's told to do? Or we could be someone that Jesus, who says, I delight to do thy will, O oh my God, then thy law is within my heart. I want to be like that. That's what the Holy Spirit is working in our life. So every time. Uh, God is working in our lives and, and a lot of times he works through uh, trials through unpleasant circumstances it's not to for the sheer misery of it it's so that we will we will yield to him in that amen mm -hmm. and there's real victory that comes in that mm -hmm. and so every every circumstance in your life every single one that would work to bring us to that place, we need to yield to the Lord. By faith, we have to bring God into the situation, so to speak. In other words, we need to recognize the hand of the Lord at work. There are idols in our lives that need to be plucked up and cast down. We see Old Testament idols all through the scriptures, very real examples, uh, that Gideon tore down and so forth. 
there are real idols that we have even as Christians and we need to be we need to have these things dealt with in our life so whatever circumstance brings you to that or me to that I need to embrace it look at that this is what we're talking about when we say the cross that the cross is for discipleship in the life of a believer and we need to look uh, by faith without wavering at the Lord Jesus Christ so the more time you spend in prayer the more time you spend uh, focusing upon the Lord the more time we spend together worshiping the Lord and in his word and in the study of his word the better it's just helping us more to focus on the Lord because Christians we, we can get sidetracked by this world just as easily as anybody else and it doesn't take long to where we get agitated in our spirit we lose focus of the Lord not saying we're lost we lose focus of the Lord and his working in our life and what he's wanting to do in our life and we start hating the circumstances and hating the situations and hating that anything uh, contrary could ever come into my life but that's part of it you know the Bible says the Lord causes it to rain on the just and the unjust and so we need to to yield to the Lord so if you have your Bibles in, in Hebrews 12 I didn't forget about that passage uh, Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 we know it probably you know it very well it says wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses the witnesses are those that have gone on in the Lord before men and women of faith read through uh, chapter 11 right Gideon and Barak and, and Moses and, and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Joshua and Abel they're all listed there and then all those that we don't even know their names okay that's the great cloud of witnesses you know what those great cloud of witnesses are saying they're, they're around us so to speak in the sense that they walk the same path and walk the same journey and they got where we're going one day they've arrived at where we're going one day and they that's proof to us it's like a, an evidence to us that, that this is the way to go this is the way to walk and these witnesses are around us it says seeing that we are it's a fact let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God he had to go down before he went up he had to die before he rose again he had to humble himself before he was exalted he's not going to be humbled again he's coming again as, as a conquering king Amen. and Lord he will reign as king of kings and Lord of lords and all things will be subdued under him and so he but but the same path that he walked so to speak we're not going to physically have to hang on a cross and die nor could we die for the sins of the world that's something unique to jesus the son of god but the road up leads down god's way you can read any man or woman of god in the bible and that's what you're going to see the lord leads us through valleys and shows that he's strong he leads us through darkness and shows that he's the light. 
for us. He leads us through times we're confused and don't have a clue where to put our foot in the next step or the next day of our life. What in the world am I supposed to do, Lord? And he brings us through. He, he is able to do it. He puts stuff on us and we say, God, I couldn't take one more. Don't drop another feather on me. I've got so much on my plate or so much pain or so much hurt or confusion or heartache. And he brings us through. And he's going to bring us through. He's not going to leave us. He brought a great cloud of witnesses through. And he brought his son Jesus through. And he's going to bring us through. It's the same pattern though. That's why he says, take my yoke and learn of me. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You're going to find rest for your souls. And that's the only place you're going to, you and I will find rest for our souls. Is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Born of his spirit. Not only born of his spirit, but walking with the Savior. Walking with the Lord. That's where we're going to find rest for our souls. This picture, y'all, and I've studied it. I've studied it. I'm sure many of you have studied it as well. When, uh, we're not going to get into great detail, but when we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, the picture, when I've studied it, is that of someone who's running a race. And in the race, there's an enemy that's trying to trip them up. Okay? Almost like you've seen a cartoon or something where, uh, you know, uh, somebody's running through the woods and taking a turn and somebody set a little trap for them. You know, stretched a rope across the road at ankle height and they, they trip over and fall or dug a pit and they fall in it. The, the idea is that there are things that thwart us. There are things that hinder us in our walk with the Lord. And whatever those things are, I would think there'd be many things common to all of us, but there might be things unique to your life and unique to my life. Whatever those things are that hinder your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever things cause you to look away from the Lord. Whatever thing, thing that slows down your growth and progress. Could be friendships. I've shared so many times, I'm almost embarrassed to share more. That was one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing, that kept me from going on with the Lord for about five years of my life when I was at LSU. Uh, high school and LSU was, was friends. They... They weren't purposely hindering my walk with the Lord. They were just lost. I was walking with them and at the same time trying to walk with Jesus and you can't do it. I was trying to keep them close as friends and obey the Savior. I wasn't trying very hard to obey the Savior, by the way, but you can't do both, all right? So whatever things hinder you to trip you up in your race, because it's not a, this is not a stagnant thing. We look unto Jesus and he says, run the race. Look, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, they were to run the end, of, the end of verse 1 with patience, the race that is set before us. I don't choose the race. The Lord chose the race. He set it before me. And he says, here's the way, walk ye in it. I'm going this way. If you're coming with me, follow me. I want you to come with me. I will help you at every turn. I will carry you. When you're not able, but I'm not going the way you're going. I'm going the way I'm going. And I desire for you to walk with me this way. Amen. Whatever hinders my life from obeying that simple command. It really is kind of simple when you think of it. Here's Jesus. Jesus is walking this path and he says, come and follow me. 
And all along the way, we say, well, Lord, that looks dark and scary. And he says, well, I'll be with you. Or, Lord, I didn't expect this. And he says, but I knew it. I've got it. I'm going to carry you through it. Uh, Lord, my friends aren't coming this way. I know. I'm working on their hearts. You come on with me anyway. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? My, my family's not coming this way. It's okay. Uh, I'm working with on their hearts and lives. Uh, but you come on with me. It's very simple in, in that sense. And then whatever hinders me from doing that, and I got my, my little paw back here, you know, clutched to something I don't want to let go of, and Jesus is, is wanting to go this way, and it doesn't work. And we think, I can't live without this. Lord, don't you understand? I can't make it without this. And we can't make it without that. We think in our minds that we can't. It's fear. There's no truth to it. I thought, I'll never be able to go through life without my, my closest friends. We're blood brothers, you know what I mean? We, we do everything together. And he, he wanted me to go on with him. It's a lot to think we can't do without this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter. You fill in the blank. Whatever you're holding on to, whether it's wealth or uh, reputation among men, whatever, comfort, ease, lifestyle, whatever it is, the Lord says, you come with me, I will more. What I have for you is so much better, so much more glorious, so much more satisfying. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. He does. What I have for you is so much better. Why don't you just trust me? You know, he's trying to bring us to a place. Just trust me. Look at me. And we need to see him. And when we see him in all his glory and beauty, by the Holy Ghost as, as he's revealed to us, then it's very true. Those things are in the rear view mirror now. And they're like, what, what was I thinking? Why did I hang on to that? Why did I fight so hard for that and waste five years of my life that I could have been walking with Jesus? So this is what we're talking about, y'all, with the cross. And Paul, Paul knew the Apostle Paul had been saved for a long time, and he knew uh, the power of the resurrection. He saw the resurrected Lord. He was used to raise the dead. He was used to heal the sick and cast out devils. He knew the power of the resurrection, but it was later in life, when at least when it was written in Philippians 3.10 about, I also want to know him in the, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. One pastor says it's kind of interesting how as we go on in the Lord, the more mature saints and the maturing of the saints, it tends to come back to the cross. And I understand his point of that, that we, it's not just blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. It's learning to be content and just having Christ and, and being dead to these other things. That's how Paul's saying, you know, uh, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified unto me and I unto the world. It was a very personal thing. It wasn't just Jesus died on the cross. That, that cross of the Lord brought a death to Paul, to the world, and the world to him. He was detached from it. He was dead to it. And this was great victory. It's a great victory to be dead to the world in that sense. And so... Um, 
the risen life that we, that we experience is experienced to the extent or the resurrected life of Christ in us is experienced to the extent that we die to ourselves. The two are not compatible. It's not me and, and my worldliness and selfishness and a little bit of Jesus. It is the Lord. And if I'm going to experience that resurrected life, there has to be a working of Jesus in my life to bring me to a death to myself. And, and to the extent that I die to myself and learn to die to myself by the cross of the Lord, and the Lord helps us by His Spirit, amen, is the extent that I, you and I will experience the power of the Lord and the power of His resurrection and so forth. Amen. And so it's, it's a walk with the Lord, <clears throat> and He helps us. And I was just thinking as I was studying about that, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 36, Thou fool... Paul says, that which sown is not quickened, except it die. In, in other words, talking about sowing seed, that it doesn't come to life, and we've talked about this in recent weeks, doesn't really spring to life, except it die first. So why do we think that there will be any different? I just want all the blessings, I want all the power, I want all that everything, and who doesn't, of, of Jesus. And I want no bad and only good. But our Lord was spat upon and ridiculed and rejected. And you understand what I'm saying? And, and we say, Lord, make me like Jesus. And he says, okay, I want, I'm going to make you like Jesus. And you're going to find my strength in your weakness if you'll let me lead you. I'm not going to get you into a dark valley and abandon you. I'm going to lead you to a dark valley where you come to an end of yourself and you say, I, Lord, I'm, I'm hopeless without you. I'm helpless without you. I cannot do it. About Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Mm -hmm. That's why we're to abide in Christ. Amen? Amen. And I thought that the book has some good examples, the book that we're studying, um, about conformity to his death and how it will take on in very practical ways what that's like. And one of those, uh, he, he mentions several, he says, Christ was crucified through weakness. Am I willing to identify with the Lord in weakness or not only want to be like when he's being ridiculed or shunned or mocked and seeming to be weak? Do I want to identify with the Lord in that? Like taking the gospel out somewhere and a bunch of thug, you know, people standing on the corner just ridiculing you and spitting upon you. Do I want to identify with Christ in that? Because that's part of it. Or I just want to identify with the Lord when I'm elected mayor. You know, because I said I'm a Christian and, and everybody wanted a Christian mayor. You understand what my point is? Or I'm elected chief of, of some committee or something like that because everybody thinks I'm a fine Christian. Do we want to identify with the Lord in weakness as well? Because that's part of it. That's part of it. And Christ emptied himself. It's another example of dying to ourselves. Christ emptied himself and became uh, poor. He became poor. He didn't have a place to lay his head, right? Didn't have much to call his own in this life and possessions. And do we think we're going to be different and just want a bunch of possessions? Nothing wrong with having a bunch of possessions. But do we want them just to spend on ourselves? 
just to make my life a little more, bit more comfortable? Or is it really for God and for his glory? Is it really the fact all I have belongs to him? Jesus was made in all things like his brothers, it says. And, and do we do we weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice? That's part of it too, right? I'm to weep with uh, things are going lousy for me, and I have a hard time rejoicing because somebody over here, one of my brothers in in Christ, got a big promotion or got a big whatever, or their all their family just got saved, and I'm praying for my brother who's lost and he had to got saved, gotten saved. Can I rejoice with him? Can I be like my brothers in, in that sense? That's important. This is Christianity. This is what the Lord is trying to teach us. The Bible says that Jesus was set at naught. I had to really look at that up and see what it meant. Set at naught, it means to be made utterly nothing, to be despised. In, in the estimation of men that were putting him on the cross and arresting him and so forth, he was set at naught. He was put to, to nothing. Now, he's still the son of God, but in the estimation of men. And do we allow ourselves that, that to be put to naught, so to speak? Or do we defend ourselves all the time? You know, I'm really something. I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm, you know, a better Christian than you. We need to be, Jesus was put at naught, and he didn't have to defend himself at every turn. This goes with the next one. Christ made himself of no reputation. <clears throat> we talk about that a lot. He made himself of no reputation. And do we seek to have a great reputation for ourselves? Now we only have a Christ-like reputation, a testimony for the Lord. Christ and all the apostles were made spectacles, a spectacle to the world. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute. I really like this one. Jesus went a little farther in the garden and fell on his face. Now this one got me. Jesus went a little farther, right? We know the night he was he was betrayed and arrested. He, he goes to a place, Gethsemane, where they would often pray. His disciples stayed here. He went a little farther. He put, took Peter and John, John with James with him. And went, then he went a little farther, about a strong stone's throw. He just kept going further. And he prayed and, and in agony because he was about to go to the cross the next day the next day and that night all the all of it was going to start but the question is do he went a little farther do i set a limit and say lord i'll go this far but no farther i just feel like i can almost stop right here at least for myself jesus went all the way to calvary and everything that that led to Calvary. He went all the way. He took every single step. He didn't jump ship or change course. He went all the way. The, all the betrayal, the, the sweating drops of blood, everything. The scourgings, the mockings, all of it. And you know, all those disciples, the night he was arrested, initially fled. That was a fulfillment of prophecy, but they did. Even John the Beloved, they all fled, and you know some came back. We we know that John came back, for for example, and was was an eyewitness at the cross. The point is, he took every single step to fulfill 
the will of the Father and to finish the work that he came to do. Do I and my Christianity set a limit and I draw a big old fat line and say, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm a better Christian than most Christians I know. I'm a better Christian than most people that call themselves Christians. But I'm absolutely drawing a line that I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, if we have done that, and maybe we have done that, we need to repent. And if we have done that, we have stunted our own growth. We want the joy, and we want the peace, and we want the this, and we want the friends, and we want everybody we talked about the Lord to get saved, and we just want it all, and we want blessings in the workplace, and favor in the workplace, and, and yet we've drawn a limit, saying, I'm going to go this far, and no further. I'm not giving up my friends for this. I'm not, Lord, don't ask me to do that. I'm not giving up such and such, or I won't share the gospel. I'll do it with a bunch of strangers in the, you know, in the inner city or on a mission field to a foreign country. I'm not going to do it with my, with my co-workers and my, my peers. But that, you know what? That's where I need to die, right there. That's the cross that we're talking about. That's where I need to bring the cross and set it up right there and say, Lord, I can't even nail myself. You can't nail yourself to a cross. But here, here I am, Lord. We're not physically talking about it. We're talking about dying to ourselves. That's what we're talking about. Lord, nail me right here. Because as hard as this is and, and actually utterly impossible as it is, I will allow you, I yield to your Lordship, and I just say humbly, Lord, do it, do it in me. Do what you have to do. Because I, you're my first love. And I don't want to hinder anything between you and me. Help me, Lord. And do you think your Lord will help you? Do you think he's going to call you there and not help you? think he's going to die on a cross for you and you didn't know him? And, and yet when you do know him and you're his child... And join heirs with Jesus. But now you really need him for this. He's not going to help you. He is going to absolutely help you. And he's going to help me. But what I can't do is get that big marker. And draw that line. And if I have. Then the Lord's going to have to deal with me about it. Amen. Jesus went a little further. Do I set limits. On how far I'll go. I pray not. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13. For I think that God had set forth us, the apostles, last as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise. He's being a little sarcastic here. And I know we've shared this passage before, but the whole thought was, in this portion of 1 Corinthians, 
He was dealing with the church in Corinth and all the things that they were compromising and, and they were wanting to have their cake and eat it too and everything just seemed to be going great for them but they didn't realize their own uh, immaturity and carnality that, and sinfulness that had to be dealt with, okay? He says, we're fools for Christ's sake, me and Barnabas and you know those ministering and the other apostles, we're considered fools for Christ's sake but you're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you are strong. We are honorable. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst. He literally did it many times in his life. Hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted. And we have no certain dwelling place. And labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. That was, that was what the Lord was allowing them to go through and allows Christians to go through to make us more like Jesus. As we go through that, then the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. The spirit of glory didn't rest upon the carnal believers in Corinth, because they were trying to, to have the best of both worlds. They were saved. They were immature. At this point in the church history and in these individual lives, they had compromised and compromised and compromised with the world. And so the world wasn't ridiculing them for the most part. The world wasn't treating them like a spectacle. You know what that word spectacle means? A theater. Paul says we're made like a theater to the world. We're good, we're good entertainment for the world. It's like Paul on Mars Hill. Let's hear what this babbler has to say. Well, he's the only one that's got something to say. He's the only one born again. He's bringing the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's being ridiculed. Let's hear what this babbler has to say. Seems to be a setter forth of strange gods. He talks about Christ and the resurrection. This should be entertaining. Go ahead, babbler, and talk to us. You know what Paul did? He went and took the opportunity to preach Christ to them. And some of them got saved. Amen. Did they all get saved? No. Do I think most of them got saved? No. He was mocked. When he got to the point of the resurrection, he got to the part of the gospel of the resurrection, they mocked him. Mm -hmm. And some said, well, it's kind of interesting. Could you come back tomorrow and tell us a little more? It says some believed. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. What can we expect different when we share the gospel? But the point is that that's part of the cross, y'all. That's part of the cross. To be made of no reputation. To be set at naught. To be considered a spectacle to the world. And I would say, God forgive us. God forgive me. If I have lived in such an unidentified way with the Lord. In his cross. And in his weaknesses and so forth. That the world can really see nothing of him. They know I call myself a Christian. They don't see a whole lot of difference between me and them. And they don't see a whole lot of holiness or a whole lot of boldness or a whole lot of self-sacrifice or a whole lot of giving. Or uh, They see me pretty much like they are. They can get along with that just fine. Oh, you go to church a lot? That's great. I think it's great to be moral and do that. But that's not suffering shame with the Lord. Suffering shame with the Lord would be 
doing whatever he tells me to do, where I've drawn a line and said, I'm not going to do it. To identify with the Lord in his weakness and so forth, this is where God wants to, to bring us. And this is where, and I'm, I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but this is where the cross has the, the daily working in our lives. I would say the continual working in our lives. And y'all, I think a lot of times we fail to see that the little things, a lot of times it's the little things where God is working in our lives. Little things that just, like we've talked about, things that interrupt your schedule, things where you get impatient, things where it's a point of preference and oh, I really wanted this, I wish it had worked out this way. Just little things, daily things, those are opportunities to let the cross work in us. Those little things build up and they make a pattern, a pattern of self. If I just keep fighting for myself and all those, those things. And as opposed to letting the Lord work in us, amen? Maybe, uh, maybe little things like, you know what? I don't like my lot in life. I just, you know, if I was better looking, if I was stronger, if I was younger, if I was healthier, if, if my family served Jesus better, if I had a better job, if I had more money, uh, if I had better health, we could go on and on and on, and we just don't like, we're not content with where we are. We need to learn to be content, because you know what? The Lord's trying to teach me to be content. I want to flip the switch and flip it all and write my own ticket. I want to make this this way and this this way and this this way. You know, the Lord says, no, I'm making it this way. Because I'm making you more like my son. So it's going to be this way. You're going to fight me on it till the day you die. You're still going to heaven. But are you going to fight me on it? Or are you going to yield and see the victory? Are you really going to know me in the power of my resurrection and the fellowship of my suffering being made conformable to my death? Because this is how I want to do it. There's a big mammoth things that hit our life that rock our world. We think we're not going to make it through. The Lord's working in that, no doubt. And there's a little daily things. Like I said, preferences, taste, being overlooked when somebody else is, is noticed more than, than you or I. And we're doing a better job. Those are things that the Lord allows us. We don't have to toot our own horn. We don't have to fix it. We need to yield to God and be content in it. I want to sit out there and y'all preach this to me, okay? Uh, I need to be content in it and not just uh, want it to be changed. Maybe the reason it hasn't changed is because I'm not content in it. That if I would be content in it, the Lord would change it and cause me to find favor or whatever it may be. And then he'll certainly bring you and, you and I to something else. But there are times that we can refuse the cross. And I'm about to close. Not the cross that Jesus died on by which we were saved. We refuse that and we're not saved, okay? Trample underfoot the blood of Jesus, Hebrews talks about. There remains no other sacrifice for sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about refusing the cross. Lord, I, I'm not going to allow this to work in my life. I'm not going to see it as the hand of God. I'm going to see it as just an unfortunate thing in my life that I hate and I don't want it. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail against it. 
If Satan's coming against us, fight against him. But if it's the Lord dealing with us, like the Paul, Paul with the thorn in his flesh, we need to know the difference, amen, first of all. But when we know it's the Lord, we need to say, okay, I get it now. I'm going to yield to you, Lord. And your wisdom, which is no comparison to compare my wisdom, to say it surpasses my wisdom, wouldn't do it justice. In the wisdom of God, he says, this is how I want to do it. And I need to say, yes, Lord, in your wisdom, do it. Be merciful, be gentle, help me, strengthen me, carry me, but do it. Do what you have to do. Amen? And I'm going to just close with that tonight, y'all. I had some other thoughts, but I think that that's, that's where we're supposed to close. There has to be a willing yieldedness to the Lord. And we have to, by faith, see God is bigger. He's using these little things. He's using the big things. He is working. And I need to let him work. I need to allow him to work because he has a beautiful, wonderful plan. And it's not just for his benefit that he's doing it. It is for his glory. But it is for my sake. It is for my sake. I'm learning of him. His yoke's easy. My burden is light. And I'm going to find rest for my soul and walk in that path. Walking with Jesus. Amen. Lord, help me. I stand before you saying I should be in the pew hearing this. But... But I do believe it. You understand what I'm saying? I do by faith know this is the will of God. And I can ask him to strengthen me in it. And I don't want to I don't want to refuse the cross. I want to embrace the cross. I want to embrace it in the, the daily cross. Let's let's close tonight. Y'all stand with me. Chris is just gonna play and maybe sing one more song tonight. But y'all, the altar's open. We didn't go very long tonight. I just pray that you would take some time to meet with the Lord. And maybe one of the things that stuck out to me tonight in this, this message was maybe you've drawn a line. Maybe you've set limits. Jesus went a little further and he went a little further and he went all the way. Maybe you have drawn a line and set limits and say, Lord, I'll do anything. I'm not sharing the gospel with those people. I'm not giving this much money. I'm not whatever it may be. I'm not leaving this friend or these friends. Whatever it is that we would lay that down for the cross, he's big enough. He's God enough. He's a friend enough to help us with it. We think we're going to die. But we're not going to die. The Lord's going to help us. He's going to strengthen us. We'll die to ourselves and allow the Lord to work. As we say, I couldn't possibly live without this. Don't require this of me, Lord. Anything but this. And he says, well, then that's, that's where the cross needs to be set up in your life. Because that's the one thing that's holding you back. I'm not going to speak in public. I'm not going to pray out loud. I'm not going to pray in a prayer language. I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do it. Well, then you're not going to do it. And that's where you'll be stunned. That's where you'll be hindered. And God's going to keep dealing with you and me until we do. So, Father, we come before you. What a kind Savior. What a good Savior. What a gracious and merciful.
merciful Lord, you are Lord. Tonight, God, these at the altar, these praying where they are at their seats, God. And me up here, Lord, we yield to your Lordship, God. We want to say by faith tonight, Lord, oh God, help us, but there's nothing that we want to refuse you, Lord God. There's no area in our, our life where we want to say, we want to say, Lord, we won't do that. Lord, this is off limits. Don't touch me here. Don't require this of me. God, forgive us. Forgive me. We lay our lives at the foot of the cross and we say, have your full work in us. Be patient. We know you will. Be kind and gentle. We know you will. Help us and strengthen us by your spirit. We know you will. But Lord, we, we ask you to forgive us. We ask, us, ask you, Lord, to give us another chance that you would move us on. That you'd move us on to dying to ourselves, Lord. That that resurrection life of Christ, we might experience it more in our lives. Teach us to be content where we are, Lord. If you don't change our health, if you don't change our finances for the better, wherever we are, Lord, teach us to be truly content in Christ. For good, you're our all in all. And we, we love you tonight, God. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. up to me. He wants me to grow in the trial. 
do I grow in it? I'm going to grow to the extent that I embrace the Lord's working in my life and not and be content. Teach me, God, to be content. Teach me to see your hand at work. Strengthen my faith so I don't doubt. In my weakness, Lord, please be strong. I have to be weak in order for the Lord to really show his strength through me. And so I don't want you to waste your trials. I certainly don't want to waste my trials. I want to grow through my trials because that's God's will. Amen.